Welcome to the Health Leaders Podcast, the place for peer-sourced and solution-focused insights for healthcare executives, airing every Tuesday. I'm Melanie Blackman, the Strategy Editor for Health Leaders. My guest for today's episode is Lisa Shannon, former Chief Operating Officer and Active President and Chief Executive Officer of Alina Health, a nonprofit health system serving communities in Minnesota and Western Wisconsin. During today's conversation, Lisa shares what goals she hopes to achieve in her first year as CEO, leadership transitions for the health system, and the importance of authentic leadership. So without further ado, please enjoy our conversation. Hi, Lisa. I'm really excited to talk to you today and to have you on the podcast. Thank you. I'm really thrilled to be here and appreciate you inviting me. To start us off, can you talk about your experience transitioning from serving as COO to CEO and how those two roles are kind of similar and different and how they work together at Alina Health? Yeah, I appreciate that question, Melanie. And what I would offer is in many ways, there are quite a few similarities and there are some key differences. The differences may not be the same for every organization or even in other organizations that I've served. So I joined Alina Health uh, almost five years ago for the chief operating officer role, which was really focused on integrating us into an operating company, taking all of the collective assets and performance and service lines and ensuring that our patients, consumers, any door they enter is a part of the same house, if you will, versus entering different homes along a neighborhood. And that it was really important that I focus on what are the areas that cause friction or breaks in seamless care or other performance gaps through an operational or implementation lens. And we're not done with that work yet, right? It's a long journey ahead. In my role as CEO, it's ensuring that continues. And yet with a much more intentional focus on our long-term future, less in our daily operations and more in where are we heading? How are we going to transform this industry? A friend and mentor told me, you know, the role of a CEO is more about leading the team. The role of a COO is more about managing the team or managing the business. And the more I can lead the team and lead our strategic future and delegate to others to actually run the business, I think the more successful I can be in this role that really takes a great strategy and continues to accelerate the implementation. No, I love that. And actually going along with that, what other goals do you wish to achieve in your first year as CEO? And are there any pain points that you're specifically looking to address? 
think everybody has their hopes and aspirations. I passed the 100-day mark a couple weeks ago, and that first quarter, I was really, really focused on listening, even though I've been here almost five years, but listen through a different lens. And my hope is we create an line of health that really is built on the great foundation we have and elevate it to a place where our employees and our providers just can't imagine working anywhere else. This pandemic has created a lot of suffering. A lot of lives have been lost and those lives touch a lot of people and a lot of burnout and stress and mental health challenges. So I really believe that my most important job is to acknowledge and recognize that we have a weary workforce and yet a workforce very, very dedicated to the mission that we have, the communities that we're serving, the improvement journey that we continue to be on to really transform care. And so when I think about what we have to do then is we have to create an organization and a culture where people believe they are empowered, they can speak up, they can make things better for those we serve. My hope is not only in this first year, but obviously that goes long into our future. I really believe in us. I believe we have the right foundation. And this notion that we put in place actually before the pandemic is we are going to embark on what we called whole way to better in the context of our whole person care journey. We're going to be on a whole way to better. And that's challenging the status quo, making sure the system works for those we serve and for those who serve. When thinking about my first year in this role, one of the great benefits I have from being internal and succeeding into this role is that I got to help craft our strategic priorities and directions. So in addition to our workforce and how important it is that we tend to those who serve, we're on a strategic path to transform how care is delivered. And that means that we really are committed to population health, being much more proactive and preventive in the care that we're providing, not only to individuals, but also to communities. We think about population health for a person, and we think about population health in the context of a community. In order to do population health well, we have to pivot an economic model so that our providers and teams, all of us as caregivers, understand that you know the reward is going to come from not fee-for-service, but truly in a value-based context. And so strategically, the continued path or first year as CEO path is to ensure that our strategic plan, which is really anchored in population health, which is about whole person care for the community that we're serving, continues to move forward. So for example, those financial models on value-based care where the goal is improving health rather than simply treating illness, partnering with other healthcare systems and communities to make accessible, affordable care, we do that by continuing our social determinant of health intake process and making sure the needs of our patients are really, really understood. We understand that healthcare is influenced and the life of our patients is way beyond the walls of our clinics and hospitals. 
So being able to identify whether it be housing or safety and securities. And maybe the last thing I'd say, you know, very, very important and uh, a passion will be to ensure that our diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging initiatives that are really designed to eliminate those structural inequities in healthcare are weaved into who we are as an organization, as care providers, but also as an employer, as a purchaser of goods, including an investor, and for our community. So it's about our workforce. It's about those we serve. It's about moving toward population health holistically, and it's about being part of a solution around diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. I know recently as well, Alina Health introduced the Alina Health Foundation. Can you share what the health system hopes to accomplish philanthropically with this foundation? So Alina Health has always had a foundation. We've just had many of them, like many other organizations that came together over a period of years and years. You bring in your facilities, your services, and sometimes that brings with a separate philanthropy function or foundation. And those have been kept intact for a number of years. As part of our vision to ensure the system works together, to ensure seamlessly connected care for our patients and community, we need to mirror that with our philanthropic experience. And so part of this is creating alignment that can impact our patients and community really broadly. For example, we've been very, very focused on mental health and addiction. That is so important. It's been important for a long time, and it's really important now. So rather than have foundations sitting at our site level, bringing them together and lifting them up at the system gives donors the opportunity to earmark sites of care as they wish and earmark programs that cut across our community. Mental health and addiction is one. The Alina Health Cancer Institute is another. Our patients that unfortunately face that diagnosis of cancer can enter any number of doors, very often in outpatient screening settings. So we wanna make sure that if we have a donor community passionate about cancer, we have a place for them to give that doesn't involve a single site, but rather the broad system of care. And then lastly, one of our priorities is our quaternary hospital, Abbott Northwestern, has a 140-year history, and we are embarking on a revitalization project that will allow us to serve what is a very broad geography. We get patients from multi-state region. In fact, the most complex of all patients are going to be served in that campus environment. And so by integrating this foundation, we wanted to accomplish both those that have passions for their sites and their communities, an opportunity to give input to earmark funds there, and individuals who have passion for broad topics that cut across all parts of our community. They don't have to pick and choose the where, but they can instead invest in the what. That definitely follows the Alina Health being, you know, one organization. And I know you had mentioned Abbott Northwestern Hospital, and I know there were a few leadership appointments recently. 
Yeah, David Jose is our now president, following Ann Madden Rice, who recently or will be uh, retiring the end of this month. I think Penny Wheeler and I would both say we're very proud of the transition and succession we've, you know, accomplished over the last several months. Uh, for me, moving into this role, her retirement and then return on our board, it's really important. I think more important than ever for our community and our organization to have a sense of stability and future direction of the organization. We, wherever possible, tried to do the same in the positions beneath, which are really vital. And as David has taken the reins at Abbott Northwestern, he's been there for almost five years. He mentored with the outgoing president, Ann, who did wonderful work. He's been part of our campus planning, the system, and that stability is really a very seamless transition as we are bringing together our system into a much more integrated focus, really, really focused on health improvement and population health, really focused on creating a way that we can partner across not only our own system, but also with others. We think it's going to be really important going forward that we do the things that we are uniquely qualified and expert at doing ourselves and that the community knows us for. And then we surround ourselves with partners that can help us in other areas. And part of this leadership transition and stability is making sure we're not changing direction, we're accelerating. And that's our unique opportunity right now is we've had the right vision and strategy for some time, really anchoring in population health, our workforce as a model for that, of well-being for our own workforce, and then our future for the community. And we think in many ways, wherever possible, you can't always do it this way, wherever possible, we can elevate the team we have that have been with us on that journey. Absolutely. And I've, I've spoken with Dr. Wheeler in the past about the importance of succession planning and how you both were able to work together for that seamless transition. Yeah, I've told many people this. I came here to work with Dr. Wheeler and enjoyed a wonderful several years partnering. Up until her very last day, Penny cared most about my success in the role. And I cared most up to her very last minute that she was honored for the work she had done for all the years she served here. And I think that, or at least I hope, that was felt and seen by the people we lead, that honoring her contributions and her caring about my success showed up in a way that uh, hopefully allowed us to have a very seamless transition. Oh, that's so wonderful and inspiring. And kind of going deeper into that with working with Dr. Wheeler and serving as COO before becoming CEO, how has your leadership style evolved and how would you describe your leadership style now? When I think about leadership and I think about leadership styles, I think about how important it is to show up authentically. And I think that leaders who force a practice, they read in a book, that doesn't come naturally, we can all get better at things, of course. Uh, I've learned a lot and made a lot of mistakes. And, you know, you can pick up and learn, you know, what you think will help you and your team better. 
That said, really being super clear about what really matters. And for me, what really matters is I get the opportunity, the privilege to lead. That's quite a gift. And that means I have a bit more responsibility to bring voices of those closest to the care or services we provide into the work that we do, the decisions we make. And that means I also get to listen deeply to what our community needs from us and that the people I serve, I think about all the time, are not only our community, but really our workforce, our providers and our workforce. So when I think about leadership style, I say it all the time, how do we empower those closest to the work that have the information and experience to make the decisions? What is the smallest number of people we need that are closest to the decision with the expertise and experience to be empowered to make things better for those we serve, for each other? And that means that from a leader standpoint, I'm absolutely accountable for the strategic direction, thankfully not alone, with an awesome executive team and a board that keeps us anchored in what we're trying to do for community, what we're trying to do with community, a particularly important in our, well, I think every community, but we're in the spotlight of the you know, racial reckoning, the diversity, equity, inclusion, and belonging. So I have that deeper responsibility, but from a style standpoint, my job is to amplify the strengths of our leaders and our teams and empower them in the direction that we're going. We don't want everybody hitting the accelerator going in different directions, but we do want people to say, I've got a steering wheel of the vehicle I'm responsible for, and I at least know what direction I'm heading. And I think that means you have an inclusive listening ear, and you really believe you exist, not for yourself, but for the, the calling and responsibility that you've been, you've been given. And then what advice do you have for women and others who want to authentically serve in leadership roles in healthcare? I give the same advice a lot of times to folks. I, I think the most important thing is get to know yourself, your strengths, what gives you energy. When you leave at the end of the day, if you're drained and completely exhausted, what was your work? What were you doing that day? And why did you leave so exhausted? And ask yourself, does that mean you're just not good at that work or you don't enjoy that work? Was there something else? And then when you leave at the end of the day, energized and ready for what's next, what were you doing then? And how were you maximizing your own strengths? Because once you know your strengths, it's not hard to be authentic about them. Once you know your weaknesses, we all have them. Make sure you surround yourself with people who fill in those gaps. So authentic leadership starts with honesty about your own capabilities and what you actually love, which is usually not always, but very often attributed to that which uh, gives you energy and that which takes energy from you. Definitely. No, that's wonderful advice. And I really appreciate you sharing that and also for sharing your expertise on the podcast. Oh, it's my pleasure. Thank you for having me. 
And thank you for listening to the Health Leaders Podcast. We'll be back next Tuesday with more healthcare industry insights.